Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Mum Talk, hosted by myself, Emma Jolin, mum to Amandine, who was born in September 2018. If you are new here on this podcast, I share my journey as a mum from pregnancy to life with a baby, now toddler, sharing all the highs and all the lows. Not only am I joined by incredibly knowledgeable guests, some experts in their field, but also mums and dads sharing their experience of pregnancy and parenthood. As always, you can trust in mum talk to be honest real and informative and provide plenty of nod along and me too moments wherever you may be thank you for listening and enjoy being part of today's conversation Hello and welcome to series seven of Mum Talk and oh have I got an amazing guest joining me this morning to bring in the new series. I recorded this podcast with Ali on Friday and we just knew it was one for your ears now. So this week I am talking with my cousin Ali who you may know from your TV screen or on stage. Ali has starred in Hollyoaks, The Bill, Doctors, Chicago UK Tour on Stage and many more and on Strictly Come Dancing in 2009 where she made it all the way through to the semi-finals. Clearly destined to be an actress. I even think I remember but you know when you've seen so many photos of something you don't know if it's a memory or a photo memory but I remember when we were little This is also where most of my family would then jump in and say, you still are little Emma. But my sister, cousins and I would spend our days creating little plays and then acting them out. Anyway, back on topic. Ali has just become a mama to baby Isla, who is seven weeks old and I just couldn't be happier for her and her husband David. Ali gave birth literally just before we went into lockdown and through this podcast shares with us her journey into motherhood. Today's podcast is raw honest and my goodness contains I don't know what the word for it is but just more whenever Ali and I talk somehow we always end up going really really deep and we wanted to say if you are resonating with some of what we are going through and talking about and you'll know the parts I mean do talk about it with someone a professional or someone you trust so without further delay Grab a cup of tea, put your feet up, or in my case, and possibly some of yours, (laughs) grab the laundry, hang or fold it, make dinner, maybe clean, tidy. No, I really am joking. I'm joking on this one. I encourage you to take some time for you, go for a walk and listen, and I'll see you on the other side. We'll just, we'll just get straight into it. It'll be all right. Let's jump straight in. Let's jump straight in. Okay, so obviously I'm going to start with a big old question right now. What is going on for you right now in motherhood? Right now, like right, right now, actually, like this moment. Right now, set the scene. And I haven't brushed my hair, washed my teeth, or um, is that the other way around? Wash my hair, brush my teeth, got my clothes on. I've been in bed, feeding um she's been really hungry little monkey this morning um usually not so much in the mornings and she's a real night owl um but yeah I'm kind of she's seven weeks old she's seven weeks yesterday oh my god yeah. where have those weeks gone that's crazy it is crazy it has gone so quickly um yeah so we're just in the throes of like really establishing feeding which is not the easiest road I have to be honest like there's I have this image in my head of like the breastfeeding mother who's just like pops the baby on their breast and it all happens really easily and um you know god amazing if it if it goes that way for for you but it doesn't for me it's not Mm. been 
it's been a bit of a bumpy ride, but um, we're getting there, I think. And it's all, yeah, getting, yeah, getting established now. Mm. We're just getting into a rhythm, really. And do you find... Well, so- not that it- Sorry, I interrupted you. Ed. No, 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 don't um, it's fine. So I, say, I hear myself saying getting into a rhythm, but then the, the rhythm is there is no rhythm and that it changes every day. And the moment you think you you know what you're doing and you're into some kind of flow, like everything changes. So going with the flow. Oh, my God, totally. And uh, that doesn't change. <laughs> <laughs> um, so <laughs> Ida was born early March um, yeah. And that was, of course, just before we went into lockdown. So have you felt like you've had the support that you've needed or has it has it been a really odd time, I imagine? It's been a really mixed bag, really, to be honest. Um, so we, yes, I had her on the 12th of March. I think we went into lockdown a few days after that. Mm. When I was at the hospital, there was a real sense of what was afoot. Um, the people, gosh, my experience at the hospital was incredible. I had a C-section um, that was decided quite late on it. It was, you know, a planned C-section, but only decided very late in the pregnancy. Um, and yes, so that's that's one side of the coin. Like my experience there was amazing. We were just, I was able to have David there, which was brilliant. And I think, I don't know what the situation is now, to be honest, with birthing partners. And we certainly weren't allowed any other visitors at the hospital. Um but I had a real feeling when I was there because, you know, there was already a lot of anxiety around what, what was happening. Um, and I just felt like I needed to just let go and let everyone mm. look after me and be in the safe hands of the doctors and midwives and and actually just block it all out for a minute. Um, and I'm really glad I did that. Uh, then since coming home, I mean, we really are deep in isolation. It's just been David, um, Isla and I, from day one they, she hasn't met any family yet um hasn't met my mum yet or anything um which is of course really tough but we're all, there are so many of us in the same boat with that um but I guess it's been things like you know establishing breastfeeding and the really practical things and that though it's not the contact with um the community midwives uh that there would normally be and all of that kind of thing or being able to go to support groups and i'm trying to tap into whatever i can online and um connect with other mothers but i didn't actually finish my um uh, antenatal pre sorry prenatal course uh because all of this was kicking off all of mm. the it was kicking off and so I don't have that uh, WhatsApp connection, you know, the four o'clock in the morning WhatsApp group that I hear so many people talk about and the little things like that. But then I found through, through my Instagram, actually, so many mothers connecting and chatting and that I've been chatting with and that's helped so much. So I think we're all, you know, the key is to try and create connection wherever we can and, you know, to not feel so isolated, even though we are all incredibly isolated right now. Mm, yeah absolutely that's so great you've been able to connect with other mums I saw on your Instagram that you're going to maybe do like a little zoom meetup thing did that ever happen I really want to do it and I've been meaning to do it you should but I and I will I will I'm going to do it commit I'm going to do it I have these (laughs) ideas I'm like I'm going to do this thing and then I get really you know life takes over Mm -hmm. um but yes I, I really plan to do this and then we got into um Isla hit sort of started around five and a half weeks mega cluster feeding in the evenings and um sort of about four o'clock in the afternoon till about midnight and that sort of put the kibosh on doing anything else at the moment so I've had to just I mean and you know wanted to just 
you know, sit on the sofa or get into bed with her and just feed and be mm. there and do that. So uh, I've, everything else has gone on hiatus for a minute. But I think uh, we might be, I think she's had the mother of all growth spurts. But again, that's quite hard to know because we can't get them weighed at the moment in the same way. So I'm judging it by nappies and clothes and how she's fitting and whether, you know, she's, whether she's growing out of her clothes. But there isn't the reassurance, you know, of being able to mm. get her weighed regularly. So um, how much kind of outside contact have you had? I know we discussed this the other day, but I think this is really interesting for people listening. You know, you were saying then putting the scales on your doorstep and then... Yeah. I mean, we, we had uh, the community midwives came round really early on. Um, but again, I think that was just this little crossover period between um, everything really kicking off and the lockdown actually officially starting. There was this sort of week where no one really knew what was going to happen. And at that point, we did have the midwives out twice. And Isla had lost about, I think she'd lost about 8% of her body weight. She was a big baby because I got di- uh, diagnosed with diabetes really late in the pregnancy because she's had she'd had um, a really big growth spurt at 36 weeks. And so I went for a scan and um, I was huge. She was huge. And so this they um, referred me to the diabetes midwife and I monitored my blood for a few days and got this really late diagnosis. So I'm so glad they caught that and that we found that out because I was able to monitor that for the last couple of weeks of the pregnancy and get it under control just by changing my diet, luckily. Um, I've totally lost my train of thought because I've gone right off peak. It's <laughs> <laughs> happening it's, it's all the time. Mum brain is a real baby brain. Mum brain, I've, re, I've even given it a new name. Baby brain is real, isn't it? Oh my God, God it's, re- it's so real. And I so feel like real. even like... What was the question? <laughs> <laughs> oh, how much contact? Yeah, so Christ, I went all around the houses then. Um <laughs> <laughs> so don't know how to segue back into what I was talking about but we um yeah had the midwives out early on uh, oh yeah she lost weight so big babies often as well do lo- lose quite a lot of weight quite quickly which I didn't know that that was a thing either so naturally was completely anxious about the whole thing and we mm. had to go on quite a mission to get her weight back on with feeding bottled uh, she was having breast she was having expressed milk she was having formula just everything to get her weight back on um but then they yeah I guess the midwives as soon as they saw the weight was back on track um we stopped having visits then and Mm -hmm. they they dropped the scales around one day and put them on the doorstep and then I took them in and I weighed her and then I put them back on the doorstep and then lovely midwife Kathy rang me from the car and we discussed um, the plan with her moving forward and getting into more of a feeding um, by demand pattern because it had been so formulaic before that Um, so yeah so I guess I got I had a real feeling then that they were they were thinking um, I had the impression they were thinking, right, we can't do what we normally do. So what can we do? And they were trying to work it out. But now we're further into all of this. I don't know what what is available for people. I heard the other day that um, people are getting are having perhaps one midwife visit, I think. Okay. Um, but I think everybody's moving everything online as fast as they can and trying to make sure that mothers get the support that they need. And I found with Isla as well, with the GPs, even if it's to do with your newborn, they will see you, they will make an appointment. Um, you know, there's 
it's like we have to always weigh it up, don't we? We need mm. to be and we need to protect ourselves and protect our children. But then if we if they need to see a doctor or see a midwife, then, you know, we take all the precautions that we can. Mm, absolutely. So backtracking a little bit, um, mm. can, are you happy to talk about your journey to getting pregnant? And I know that you devastatingly had a miscarriage. Are you happy to talk about that? Yeah, thank you for asking him. Um, uh, absolutely. So uh, I'm like, yeah, I'm fine talking about it. And they're like, where do I start? Um, so yes, we knew we wanted to get pregnant and we were trying to get pregnant and actually initially got pregnant very quickly um and we were both working on panto uh david and i was kind of all a bit surreal now looking back he we were both playing panto baddies <laughs> staying <laughs> at different theaters um living in digs up north and uh yeah i found out i was pregnant just i was around christmas time i think um and then uh it, i was pregnant for such a short time actually to be honest so it was such a whirlwind because I didn't really know at that point how many um pregnancies do end that way and um so I found out I was pregnant I wrapped up the um the test and I put it in the Christmas tree for David and I just hadn't really contemplated that it might not work out and then he uh, yes we were delighted and then it was only a few days later um that i but I lost the pregnancy and I started bleeding and that, you know, and, and that was that. So it was, it was a very early one and it took me a while. I mean, I really went to sort of emotionally get over that really. I think it was all quite a shock and I really went into my cave for a bit. Um, and then I remember going back to work quite quickly cause I had to, I was going back to a filming schedule and just feeling really like I was on another planet. So mm-hmm. that was, that was difficult and then but then time sort of went on and then we I felt ready to to try again and we you know I was feeling a bit stronger it just took I just had to give myself a minute really before we started really trying again even though I think you can a month you know the next month if you want to I think so um but I think it's so important to give yourself the time that you need um and then we so then we started again and then it it felt like it took an eternity I suppose in retrospect it was probably about uh seven or eight months something like that that. um and we were just about to to look into our fertility and everything we got a referral letter from the we had literally had a referral letter on the kitchen table um to go and get checked out and um and then I yeah was I was doing the classic you know all the pregnancy tests every month and uh, you know had everything crossed and then one morning got the I'll just do it I was doing I did a really early test one of those five days early ones and got the little line (laughs) oh my god this is it but then you know I think because of what had happened last time it felt so sensitive and it took me a really really did take me a little while to trust in it and feel like oh this is okay this feels I feel safe baby's safe like it's all okay um yeah I listened to I remember you know going through YouTube and trying to find um oh sorry my don't worry I don't know how to switch them off. Um, <laughs> the least technical person here. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it just. Oh, what was I saying? I've done it again. Lost it. Um, about uh, starting to feel that it was real. Yeah. Um, having it been. 
feel like it was safe. And you know, a friend of mine is really early pregnancy at the moment, and I spoke to her the other day and was just saying, don't you know, just try and enjoy it. And just because it's happened, you know, happened to me or it happened to other people, it doesn't mean it's going to happen every time. It doesn't mean it's going to happen to you. You know, it's it's that balance, isn't it, of knowing what you know the possibility and that those first few weeks are are a little tentative but then also allowing yourself to be happy and enjoy it and I think as the time went by I did but at the beginning every scan we had quite a few scans early on um we were just praying to see that you know see that little heartbeat hear that mm. little and then when do you feel like you really relaxed into it Hmm. Good question. <laughs> I'm trying to look back. I don't. I think it. Do we ever? <laughs> I know, right? That's kind of why I asked. <laughs> I'm doing that. I'm like, yeah, I really relaxed. I was really just glowing and not anxious at all. No, I'm not sure if that was how I was actually. I. <laughs> I, I think it just goes, it comes and goes. I think it goes in phases. And there were times where I felt really, I did feel really good. And I felt really like, uh, you know, ha- well, I felt very happy all the way through. But, you know, I think anxiety just creeps in. I was only saying to my husband, David, this morning, now it's about, how, am I making, is she feeding enough? Am I giving her enough milk? Am I making enough milk? Have there been enough nappies today? And this complete preoccupation no preoccupation with what's going in and what's coming out but I feel like that must on some level be ingrained in us it must be just completely innate to you know keep them safe and and absolutely an animal instinct so I'm not going to fight it that's the way it is and it may be I may be driving him crazy asking what was in the nappy has she pooed has she weed how many wees was that are you (laughs) keeping count god I remember having a little app on my phone when I was yeah. breastfeeding and I would record like exactly what time I was feeding. This didn't last for very long, by the way. But I remember calling, recording really early days, like how many times I was feeding, how many wet nappies, what time the wet nappies, how many dirty nappies. Yeah. And then when she wouldn't poo for like 10 days, I'd be able to literally recite it to the midwife. They, they must have thought I was crazy. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, I think it's, we were told to take, keep note of it at the beginning but actually to be fair with Isla there are so many wet nappies and so many foods that I have stopped putting them into the app so I guess I should take some comfort from that but it doesn't Absolutely. stop being completely preoccupied by it um but the yeah the app is good I do that but if nothing else I remember which boob I fed on yes last. <laughs> yes yeah that's important I think so, my friend my friend gave me a really good idea of a hairband so if you feed on the left put it on your left wrist and then you'll know by just looking at your wrist and you can just switch it over when you're feeding that's a good idea I might segue into that actually because the only thing I found is that because of how we started off with this you know I had to set because of really trying to get her weight back on and being quite frightened about that um because of the di- you know I'd had diabetes and everything I just I just wanted to know that she was okay and that she was gay, you know, like every mother actually, probably nothing to do with the diabetes, just the way we're wired. Um, but I, uh, yes, we had to set alarms every three hours and I'd feed and then I'd give her what, what would happen. It was a real routine. I'd feed, then I'd express, then I'd ha- as I was expressing, I'd hand it to David and David would give her a bottle formula. Mm-hmm. So until I would expressed enough, uh, breast milk that she could move on to just breast milk um so it was so regimented that with things being a bit more oh sometimes she's feeding loads sometimes not so much then I'm uh, finding it a bit hard to know what our normal is and Mm. 
there isn't a normal really. Um, so yes, I think for me also using an app is another way to be constantly overseeing everything. And I think just getting, I think I had this lovely midwife, Kathy, um, who was the one who really introduced me to the idea of feeding on demand and wanted to move me out of that initial phase and into a phase where really Isla had more agency over the feeding pattern because, you know, almost felt like we were just throwing milk at her at one point. Um, and yeah, I think we still ha- I still have to watch that desire to like uh, clock watch and oversee mm-hmm. too much because it really is important, I think, to for her to have agency and when she's hungry and when she's had enough and you know mm-hmm. what for her. Mm-hmm. And absolutely, now she's was an absolute champion and got her birth weight back on. And um, Dean was completely on demand. Um, which was great and even funnily I was chatting with the girls this morning um, and one of you know with the babies almost being two they're still very much in control of what they want to eat and when they want to eat it and it was really funny one of the girls was saying you know my my little boy he doesn't seem to be very hungry but he's so energetic he's just bouncing around and they just know at this age what they want to eat and when they want to eat it and how much they want to eat. And I, I think that's just, it stays with them from when they're babies and really little. But the rest they of their just life, know when in... oh, I'm never going to criticise my mum. When I think about how my mum is specifically with my brother, actually, I think it's more with my brother, but she's very like, darling, are you hungry? Can I make something? <laughs> like, the walks through the front door, she's determined to feed him. It is an absolute... <laughs> thing and there's been a lot of um banter slash uh piss taking over the years um and now I'm thinking actually I get it I get this is established really early doors and it is it <laughs> the rest of her life I'm going to be trying to feed her even when she's 35 and running her own business <laughs> oh gosh but I do I really do think that you know pregnancy prepares us like going right back to you know the levels of anxiety that we feel when we're pregnant like pregnancy mm. prepares us for the rest of motherhood because oh. the anxieties change like they don't go away they just change like my biggest fear which I've talked about on the podcast before is Amaldine being kidnapped and I know it's a completely irrational I to say that it's completely irrational and I try not to give it too much airspace because I know it's a completely irrational fear but even like we sleep, as you well know, with Hendrik. <laughs> he loves his white noise just as much as Amandine does. <laughs> so, <laughs> Ridiculous nighttime routine. It's a fucking nightmare. <laughs> but Hendrik will put his white noise on. Amandine has her white noise on. But because there's so much damn white noise, I have to keep the baby monitor on because I can't hear Amandine squealing or whatever over Hendrik's white noise. I'm so, starting to find white noise quite stressful, by the way, because there are so many machines that make white noise in this house now that sometimes I have it on and I'm like, that white noise is the wrong frequency for me. <laughs> there, are, there are different ones. So the ones that we've really liked, um, I think they're called Dome, D-O-H-M, but they're plug-in ones rather than battery-operated, and it's a natural white noise rather than a recorded white noise. Yeah. Um, and they just seem to be much more easygoing on the ear. <laughs> Um, i'll be wondering why i'm launching all these toys out of the window (laughs) can't handle it anymore but like literally if i hear amandine on the white noise machine at night and she makes a little squeal or something i have to check 
because yeah. in the back of my mind I'm like that's but what true. if I don't check and what if someone's in the house and what if someone's taking her out of a cot completely irrational like we live in the middle of nowhere essentially and all of our doors it's just ridiculous isn't it but my no, point not, is because it's how you feel and if that that's real you know that's real for you and that's valid it's mm. um I, no but it's interesting to me because I've never heard you I haven't heard you say that and I didn't realize that was a thing do you know I'll tell you what I've had to work really hard at I kind of I think these I, if you don't mind me saying it's well, feeling safe and mm. feeling safe at home and feeling like the the I'm trying to think of how to express this like the uh monsters that there aren't monsters on that monsters under the bed feeling can be really full on and I think when I'm if I'm feeling triggered by anything then that amps up quite a lot mm. and I think I've found again just scouring not even from anywhere in particular but just scouring youtube oh a girlfriend of mine gave me at one point she said um uh, hey louise hey you can heal your life um she has a really nice uh um audiobook to listen to about feeling safe and oh i'm gonna write that down i'll have a look on my phone now about which what it's called but it's really good and it's only short and i think it's just those little times that you feel like that to have something that you can listen to can really help it is valid and it's all you know it's I really feel for you having that you know feeling that but it's funny I mean I can you know what we were saying like when we have our chats like we can find often find like where it's coming from and yeah I this is something that I mean it's not for now but I want to delve deeper into without going too deep but I know that this has been an issue of mine since I was tiny like feeling safe I was I am I still am the little girl that kind of checks under her bed checks in her wardrobes like I I even still do it now sometimes I'll go through the whole house downstairs if I'm feeling unsafe and I'll check every single room so I know that I can go upstairs and I can go to bed like with as little anxiety as as I possibly can so I know that this has happened like whether it's because of the houses that we lived in growing up or because we moved so many times I I really don't know it's something I need to delve into lots of family as well it's Mm. that could be just a bit unsettling maybe Maybe, I don't know, but like even now, if Hendrik isn't here and he's, like when, when he was doing a lot more long haul, but if he isn't here before Amandine, I would barricade the door with like a spare duvet and pillows. Isn't that ridiculous? But this is where it's come from. And well, now... You the arse end of nowhere. I know! <laughs> it's amazing and it's beautiful, but it is far from everywhere. Like, I totally get it. I totally understand. I'm spooked at the moment because my where I live is really, um, you know, densely populated being in London um and with our kitchens you can see into each other's kitchens literally we're about two feet away from the neighbor's kitchen the way the the flats are laid out and over the years you know there have been neighbors that have we've acknowledged each other and had a wave if we're both doing a washing up at the same time or neighbors that just we we have an unspoken agreement just to ignore each other um but these guys that live there now they've not been I think when everything happened they got out of town and I'm not sure where they've gone and so it's just a dark kitchen I'm looking into my imagination is running absolutely wild I don't like it I don't like being able to stare into a dark kitchen I know that sounds weird but um, it doesn't it doesn't I'm this I'm the same I don't even like it when you know we've got those big French doors at the back and you kind of look out and it's just dark 
and I can't see any like other lights from any other houses and I'm just like I don't like this very much anyway oh, <laughs> we're really off piece. <laughs> we so we're not that far off piece because I think it's really relevant I really do mm. because I think pregnancy is such a vulnerable time and um and motherhood all of it and for the rest of time now but I think if there's there's old things, you know, old little triggers like that. I think it's really usual that they might come up around this time. Mm-hmm. And I've definitely experienced that. I had, a, had it, to be honest, getting my late diagnosis, um, you know, finding out I was, you know, I didn't think I'd, sorry, I'm really rambling, but I, I didn't odd. think I'd be one of those people that had a birth plan because I am quite a go with the flow person. And I was always like, well, I'd like this, but if it doesn't work out, that's fine. And I really told myself that until the day that we found out everything had changed, David and I had sat in a coffee shop and written a birth plan, really last minute.com for going in for our midwife appointment, mm. standard procedure. And um, we just put the pen down on this plan. And I thought, yeah, I'm really, I'm happy with that. That's, we've, this is great. Water birth, hypnobirthing that we've been working on, all this kind of stuff. And then we went in, and then everything changed sort of in an afternoon. And um, and then because it was so late, it was I found it for a minute, it was hard to get an appointment with um, the consultant. You know, I was 30, I was about to turn 37 weeks, but I couldn't get in to see the consultant for three weeks. And I knew that I'd have to have the baby sooner than that because of the diabetes, they wouldn't, I wouldn't go to full term. And I had this real feeling of slipping through the net and of not feeling heard. And it didn't last long because honestly, the NHS were incredible. I've got, I've found a one, well, a wonderful midwife found me and I literally felt like she didn't let me out of her sight really for the rest of my pregnancy. She scooped me and really looked after me. But in this little interim period before I connected with her, I had this really, this strange time of just feeling so out of control and like I was slipping through the net and like no one was going to catch me and that really it really set off some old things for me and I think you know it's all it's just I suppose what you do with that when that happens Um, how you ride it out but but I suppose just knowing that we're not alone with that stuff and that you know we all have those moments in life where you feel like there are monsters under the bed or whatever, but just finding ways to kind of um, parent yourself actually in those moments, especially when you're becoming a parent or you are a parent is that we still need parents. And mm-hmm. that, that is something we can learn to do as adults for ourselves and, you know, potentially not to suggest that there are were gaps, but to fill in any gaps or, you know, our parents are amazing, but no one, you know, not superhuman. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's an it's an interesting time psychologically I think it is it is and I also think that things come up for us new parents and you almost have not a pressure but I certainly feel with this especially and and other things um especially things that I feel that have come up through my mum and maybe even her mum before that that I don't then want to pass that on to yeah. yet another generation <laughs> and you're kind of like shit uh, I've got to sort this everyone. out <laughs> what are we going to do <laughs> we've got to put a stop to this sort this one out <laughs> oh isn't it uh, yeah. yes. <laughs> but it's I guess we've 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 a generation maybe with a and our, our mother's generations I think with the stronger sense of self-inquiry definitely uh, you know, people just starting to look into things and think, okay, what is this? What's this about? And is this something we want to continue or, Mm. you know, Mm. um, yeah. Yeah. 
So let's <laughs> let's go back. Great scenario where none of our families speak to us ever again. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Oh, I love our conversations. How much dirty laundry shall we? Add? This is dangerous. Um, it's so dangerous. It's like I knew I felt nervous for a reason coming on this podcast. <laughs> And it was a tiny bit because I felt like usually I have a bit of a professional head on, i.e. I have a bit of a filter. And that then I knew when the moment I started talking to you, the floodgates would open. Yeah. And that's it. There's no going back from that. But I think that's a good thing. Definitely a good thing. I'm think, not going to fight it. No, it's definitely a good thing. Oh, my gosh. OK, right. Let's go back to your pregnancy yeah. with Isla. How was how was your pregnancy? How did you feel? Yeah, oh, gosh, just again, like just so all of the feels and so such a mixed bag. You know, there's so much about pregnancy that is completely magical and amazing, and the kicks and the flutters and feeling her move and you know all of that kind of thing. Every scan when you know we saw her waving at us and saw her little heartbeat and heard her heartbeat and all of those moments are incredible um and there was definitely a time I think when I got into the second trimester where I did feel really physically good as well I've had a really nice few weeks <laughs> like where I felt great but I definitely had periods of time where I did not feel so great I'm not gonna lie um I had hellish morning sickness that started really early on and went on more or less to about 20 weeks um and what else happened quite you know it's I can see as well the my brain wanting to just block that out now mm-hmm. just be those mothers that looks off wistfully and goes it was all magical and wonderful and <laughs> the end and then I had a baby in my arms but <laughs> I was I threw my guts up I have a pelvic um yeah. I can't even call it pelvic girdle plate pain like I've been kicked in the crotch honestly just uh that was more sort of third trimester that really took flight but that I'd had that early on and I was so big I got so 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 big so just got very hard to um maneuver towards the end so but yeah there were times when I, I felt amazing and there were times where you know it was um physically just I found it quite challenging I don't know if that's I don't know if that's a bit because of my age or whether that's something I would you know always have experienced these things you know in the way that I had you can't really know but um I definitely felt like I had the full gamut of experiences Mm. Um, and the diabetes that came right at the end with pregnancy does that now stay or is that purely with pregnancy uh, so I I hope it's purely with pregnancy ideally I think that sort of ends the moment you've delivered but I have to but it, it does mean there's something in my makeup that makes me more prone to it so I actually have to have a blood test um we, we're going in for Isla's eight weeks we, I'm going to take it to have her jabs and, oh, yeah. and um and then they're going to take my blood and test me for uh diabetes then and then I have to have an annual test so I just really hope that it has gone mm. um, I hope that it was nothing to do with the way I was putting away cream eggs <laughs> at stages of my pregnancy I got health leather if anyone had been watching my instagram and the baking that went on i just do have a suitable amount of mum guilt about some of the sugar that i was ingesting oh no um, but i think it's so common that, like i don't know anybody who doesn't 
you know, up there baking towards the end, up the baking, <laughs> up the baking yeah. and, you know, eating all the good stuff and the yummy stuff. And you're just so bloody tired as well. Yeah. Just, just craving everything. And I wasn't really stopping myself from having the things that I was craving. Um, but I don't know if I had, I don't know if it would have been any different. No. You can't really, so you can't, I can't really beat myself up about it. No, you absolutely cannot. Absolutely cannot. How are you feeling about her jabs? Um... I suppose That's on such a horrible lo- name, Jabs. 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 So maybe I should reframe that. <laughs> uh, vaccinations. I'm. Um, how am I feeling about that? I'll be going on my own. I think because da- um, so I kind of wish David was coming as well. But I think it's probably better that just one of us goes anyway. Um, but just because of everything that's going on, and um, yeah, I suppose there's a bit of worry about we've been isolating so much we haven't really seen other humans so mm. just how it's going to feel taking her into the doctor's surgery and everything even though I know they'll be taking every precaution um and they have really reassured me over the phone so and and also my GP we talked it through on the phone and she said some of the things she's getting vaccinated against are as worrying if not more than COVID as well for children so it's you know I feel that it has to happen mm. I think that's very much you know our choice as parents whether we do it or not um but I'm also yes not just not looking forward to her experiencing that at all and I'm seeing from your face on Skype that this is you are this is I'm in for it I'm in for a bad time and so is she I'm not gonna hide it I mean I mean some babies just like totally nail it and they are absolutely fine and they're not even phased and that definitely happens are we talking by the actual moment of having an injection yes. or the aftermath or and no aftermath. actually aftermath for us for the eight weeks was not an issue I don't think okay. there might may well be some listeners who have listened like recently to those podcasts and they're saying differently but right you were tearing your hair out <laughs> <laughs> I actually think it was the second lot that were that Amandine was more affected by actually um mm. But the first one with Amaldine, I think it was literally just the prick, and I'm not. I'm not going to lie to you because I personally fear that I, I. I feel that the more you know about this scenario, the better. You do. You don't. Yeah. think You're just blind. No, I don't. You'll be totally. You'll be totally, totally fine. Um, one thing that really worked with Amandine actually was we put a, I don't know if you have one, but I have like this mini hot water bottle that's meant for warming your hands. Yeah. Um, and I had that wrapped in a towel and obviously it's, um, it's cover. And I would put that on her leg just to help her relax um, oh, and just help cool. the muscle relax. Yeah. Hot first. And then afterwards we had a ice pack wrapped in some cloth and put yeah. that on straight after and that seemed to really really help by the time we'd cottoned onto this okay thank seemed you. to really really help and also distraction yeah the thing that she loves most and most distracted by try and take that david <laughs> <laughs> oh god okay <laughs> or a rattle or something okay try and work out what the favorite thing is at the moment she's I was at it's really in the last couple of weeks she's become much more aware of her surroundings Mm -hmm. and aware of just taking everything in and it's just absolutely magic 
I mean, what was also magic was that she's finally noticed that she has a mobile in her cot. And I <laughs> laid her down last night. We were right in the thick of the cluster feeding, um, burping, screaming cycle and um, laid her down. And she saw this mobile and she was like she was mesmerized for about 45 minutes an hour. And I oh. slept and it was amazing. Oh, amazing. Yeah, it really was. It, yeah, it was good. It was a good time. A good time. <laughs> <laughs> and I just slept next because I've got one of those next to me. I've got this snuggle cot that goes right up next to the bed, and um, yeah, so she's in that, and I was Sparko next to her. That was good. Oh, amazing. Um, so during your pregnancy, did you practice yoga at all? I want to say yes. <laughs> um, truthfully, I went. I, I did a here and there. I did here and there. I wish I'd done more, and I probably should have done more. I just didn't feel like it most of the time. Mm. I think my main exercise which is strange you know we're a bit of a family of yogis aren't we and I've always loved it and I cannot wait to get back to it um but for actually walking that was what I did more than anything um mm. because of the dogs as well so I had to get out really every day um until until I couldn't get on the floor to pick up after them anymore and the last so the last dog walk that happened before I, before I gave birth I um was basically on the floor and I couldn't get up and a lady came and got me up oh no <laughs> <laughs> <from the> street <laughs> she basically found me like sat on the floor with a poo in my hand <laughs> and like nine months pregnant and she came over with her two kids like toddlers and she's like this looks all wrong this is all wrong what do you need what can I do um so I really appreciated that and, and that marked the end of the dog walking for a while <laughs> oh god <laughs> No, I didn't practice any yoga, at all, well, hardly any yoga at all when I was pregnant. It just didn't feel nice. And I no. think you just have to listen to your body, don't you? Definitely. I did find, I found a really nice class up the road for me. And I went, I think, probably about four or five times. And I really enjoyed it when I did go. Mm. Um, I just get so tired. In the, it was in the evenings mm. and um, I was out for the count most of the time. Mm. Okay, I'm going to try and stick to some more questions because I'm just not even halfway through the questions that I have for you. So, <laughs> um, so during your pregnancy, how did that impact your on-screen uh, work and your kind of on-stage work? Um, hmm, truthfully, um, I didn't really work, mm. I'll be honest. Um, I did a film when I was... 10 weeks pregnant and I told I did it was at, well there was one stage where the only people that knew I was pregnant were my um the, and it's my husband my mother and an entire film crew oh and my agent and an entire film crew. <laughs> <laughs> right. um but I was being so sick I kept uh, I threw up on the way to the set I threw up outside the set I threw up oh, no. it just yeah it wasn't it wasn't the most glamorous hour um so yeah I made that film and then after that it was more about voice work and other kinds of work that I could generate because um they really don't I'm just going to say it and I've never said it said it out loud it's tough when you're pregnant in my game they don't really hire pregnant people (laughs) and I didn't really realize how quickly that I I knew that would you know that would be the case and I've spoken to different actresses and um performers that feel really differently about it i've got an actress girlfriend that lives up the road and she said well it's right this is as it should be you're pregnant you need to look after yourself 
and you do you really want to be on a film set and and in on the one hand after making that film I and being so sick and working the long hours and I'll tell you be so honest on this one this chat um <laughs> one day I came home from filming and I'd forgotten my door keys because I really had half a brain at that point and um I had to wait and I David was at the theatre but we had a, I had a flatmate and had to wait for her to get home so I had about half an hour and I lay down on the path outside of my house with my head on the doorstep because I was so tired um so and after that I just thought is this really where I should be right now so on the one hand I hear, I hear what she's saying and I think film sets are not necessarily the places that you feel the most um what's the word it's just always a scramble to be honest and there's always so much going on and so much kit flying around and people tearing around and it's a race always and so you know I love it but I did feel a bit vulnerable and then uh yeah and the other side of the coin is why shouldn't we work when we're pregnant we should be able to work you know we need to work I need to work and so um I made a bit of a decision really after that which was that I'd actually so I always have this thing where I like to feel like I have a sense of agency over the things that are happening in my life and in my career. And I thought rather than just sitting at home thinking, damn it, why won't, why isn't the phone ringing? I thought, right, I'm going to make a decision that I'm only going to do work where I am in, using my own voice rather than pretending to be somebody else. Mm-hmm. And that actually really worked for me because I felt that I wanted to be in inhabiting my own body and not actually and enjoying the pregnancy and not actually pretend in somebody else's skin in somebody else's life pretending to be somebody else and so that was a bit of a shift for me and since then I've done more and more things like this like going on people's podcasts and writing I started writing for baby center um and writing for a baby magazine and I love that that to be able to do that and have a different channel for my creativity and so I guess I joined the ranks of pregnant women and mothers that suddenly find they have to reimagine things a little bit because mm-hmm. the life they have before isn't necessarily a fit anymore and whether that's right or wrong in lots of cases I don't think it's terribly right but I think we have we just prove ourselves to be completely flexible and adaptable and to I know now why there are so many mum startup businesses um you know so many self-employed parents because you what else do you do really Mm. so Mm. if you spin it in a positive way it's a time it's a creative time and a time to reimagine your life actually and think what are the bit parts of a bit like this period we're in right now it's like what is our normal now what bit, what are the bits we want to hold on to and what would we actually like to reimagine completely mm, absolutely but I've, I feel like the, the pressure that is loaded onto us it's such a vulnerable stage mm. um, of not only have we just given birth and we've got a newborn but also we're just trying to figure out like how is this all gonna look yeah, <laughs> in terms of work and yeah, because, well, you know, all of us, we need to work. It mm. isn't, you know, however things may appear, we're all grafters, really. Mm. You know, if you're in the creative industries or other industries, you know, we all work bloody hard. So, yeah, it, but yes, you're right. It is a time when it might be nice to be just pottering, floating around the house in a nighty and not really thinking too much about anything else. But I think a lot of us do feel that pressure 
Mm. You know, which is another side. There's a, uh, there's so many sides to all of this as well, because then it's like, well, how much are we getting our sense of self-worth from productivity? And is that a conversation that needs to be had as well? And how productive do we want and need to be? Mm. Um, yeah, big another big topic. But mm. I think another huge many, topic. There are many ways. <laughs> maybe our sense of you know maybe also we are doing enough and maybe our sense of self-worth doesn't need to be completely wrapped up in our output Mm. but it is in this culture that we live in but perhaps there's a little glimmer of hope that that might start to adjust slightly now who knows Mm. I think it's different for everybody isn't it as well like depending on your characteristics and you know what what you enjoy doing and how you enjoy um Enjoy that. Anyway, moving on. Um, okay, so <laughs> next question. <laughs> next question. Next. <laughs> so relationships. Just a nice, yeah. easy topic going in with this one. Nice, easy topic. Yeah. <laughs> Your relationship through pregnancy and now, look, I get asked this question so so much. Um, you know, people asking how Hendrik and I's relationship was in pregnancy and how it is now and how was it in the early stages from your experience can you share any of your wonderful wisdom that's um, (laughs) an answer that I need to put in a nutshell that I don't know if I'm going to be able to (laughs) Um, to. I'm I'm far from brief as you all know by now I think um oh okay so how's the relationship I mean Honestly, right now, I feel closer to David than ever. I really, really do. Um, through the her birth and being, you know, I've got, he, he slept in a chair like next to me, you know, for the time that we were in hospital. And he just hasn't, he, I don't even know how to put it in words, but I do, I feel more in love with him than ever. I really, really do. And he's just stepped up to the plate in every conceivable way and I feel very very lucky and and he's an incredible father and that's incredibly attractive and also um you know being wonderful with me and you know having had a c-section like the healing I know I don't I don't imagine the healing's particularly easy however you have your child but um you know just with the practical things I couldn't do for a little while you know he really picked up the slack um but he's also emotionally very um astute as well so I feel I'm I'm really lucky um but yeah I'm sure like okay nutshell come on Ali you can do it okay uh, and honesty let's take an honesty pill we went for counseling when we first found out we were pregnant and that I would really really recommend um we meant to do it when we were getting married actually um in the run-up because we don't go to church and we weren't going to marriage uh, to do a marriage course and so we always planned to do it and then I was filming like crazy um and we didn't have time in the run-up to that and then when we fell pregnant we were like actually this is a moment in time where maybe we should do this and so we did a course of couples counseling and it was absolutely brilliant and I feel like that really um I don't know we just established different ways of communicating and how to ask each other questions in a different way and um and to really hear each other um and to sit in an office with our wonderful wonderful therapists and tell both tell our stories that was really powerful just to hear it was it was a lot of delving into childhood and 
all kinds of things and um just to to listen to each other and to hear each other and give each other the space to communicate some of that stuff and then you have these penny drop moments where you're just like oh okay now I get it I know where this comes from I know what this is and and then and for both of us we just understand each other a bit better and and then there's a bit of space to feel a bit more compassionate for each Mm. other those moments where you ordinarily might want to kill each other um but we you know we're so human and we really have our moments um but I feel like we've got a different way back now even if we do find ourselves having a bit of a moment or a bit of a wobbly we're so quick to move on and whereas in the past that would be something that you know we might spend serious time sort of analyzing and talking through and all this kind of stuff we just we know how to move through things a bit faster also having a child we david and i can talk each other into oblivion and like having a baby that is a thing of the past now i can barely finish a sentence yeah yeah so that wasn't brief but it's we've gone through lots of phases but if that was something in that you know anyone listening has uh, you know the capacity to do and or even just in your you know there are books you can buy and things you can go through we've worked through books together as well asking each other different kinds of questions and um it's really helped because it is a massive transitional period oh it's huge isn't it it's amazing that you're both on the same page when it comes to uh going to counseling and therapy um, I think that's one of the hardest things, isn't it? Which comes up over and over again. I mean, we've spoken about this before, but yeah. it's, you know, it's the same with Hendrik. He's not on the same page as me and it would be a challenge to get him there if we needed it. And I think it's it's very similar. I mean, is, has David always been I think more being than happy? To be honest, we are used to an amount of navel gazing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it's not the language is familiar to us and it's not an alien concept because mm. there's so much that goes into even your training as an actor but stepping into somebody else's shoes and empathizing fully with who mm. who you're portraying and their the situation they find themselves in and so I think that invites again an amount of self-inquiry um and uh you know inquiry into the character that you're portraying so uh, yeah it's just it he's used to that and so that really really helps and um yeah we both have similar vocab um mm. yeah I thought about that actually because I imagine when you go so deep into a character there's also a lot of you know questions that you then ask about that character and then when you're trying to get back into yourself as well and then different ways it depends how you look at it and I think some some actors I mean just again attemptings a nutshell may (laughs) perhaps feel that they're you know stepping out of themselves completely and completely stepping into another character's shoes for me and I think for David as well I wouldn't want to speak him actually so I would just say for me it's um uh, revealing the parts of yourself that is that thing that you're portraying that it's all parts of you at the end of the day and that as humans we're so multifaceted and there's so much within all of us in different in different varying degrees that it's how much of that we show in any given moment and how we form you know I sometimes have this weird like visual about that it's like we've got a control like a mixing desk in front of us and that you turn some things right up to 11 and you might turn something else down you kind of build the character that way it's kind of emotional like tuning thing (laughs) yeah yeah that's a a really good way to look at it actually I get you could um 
even relate that to motherhood. Oh, <laughs> little DJ gear. <laughs> to 11. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have a quick yes or no answer here. Cool. Did, okay. <laughs> did you find out if it was a boy or a girl? Yes. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> did you both want to? Yes, I think so. I really did. Um, I had such a strong feeling it was a girl and I really wanted to know for sure. And I think, David, my instinct on that one is he went with the flow. I think Mm -hmm. if I'd said I really wanted to keep it a secret, I think he would have done. But he wasn't too far one way or the other. Okay, so let's move on to um, birth. Um, So I know you did some hypnobirthing. Um, and we've already discussed that you, you kind of had a little bit of a plan, but then obviously it wasn't really necessarily needed. How, what are your thoughts on hypnobirthing? Did you, did you enjoy it? Did you find it helped? Did, I did. I think it's a really, really good thing. Um, yes. Even though I ended up having C-section, I also just had someone to call and say, help, it's all changed and it's, I'm going to have a C-section. And she sent me a load of tapes to listen, tracks to listen to. that were relevant for that and I think she really taught me and what um oh I just wonder if I can hit I think Isla's playing downstairs with David but I think it's like was that a scream well I think it's just playful she she gets really excited um I think (laughs) I think what it taught me was that we have a right really as a mother to have a sense of agency over what is happening to us and our bodies and that was really important and so it meant I think that having that little seed planted was a lot of the reason strangely why I I opted for a c-section over being induced in the end because I wanted to take out some of the unknowns and I'd had quite a shake-up having this late diagnosis and um all of this sort of thing and so just feeling like I could make that decision and be heard and and actually have the birth that I wanted it that was so brilliant for me and actually the experience was fantastic I really have no regrets and I you know I feel very very positive about it all so um but I do think that was that was planted during hypnobirthing even though at that stage it was gearing up for what I wanted in terms of um and how I imagined uh my natural birth to be vaginal birth to be all births naturally isn't it but it um yeah that that's what it gave me and I'm really grateful for that that I could still have a choice mm. it's mm. empowering isn't it I found <laughs> I found hypnobirthing really empowering yeah um so you shared that you had a, a really wonderful and positive um cesarean birth were there some were there bits that you can share in particular that made it such a great experience for you no the one bit that makes me gives me goosebumps almost is the the care that I received in that I was nervous as hell in that operating theater I was chatty Kathy with chattering teeth with so much adrenaline soaring through my veins I was really 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 nervous probably more nervous than I've ever been um and I had this incredible anesthetist Georgie who just was so kind and funny and calming and, you know, the responsibility that they have for your entire being and, you know, wellness is kind of mind-blowing. And while she's monitoring every part of what's going on with my body, she was there for me emotionally and mentally. And there's this picture that I have that is my absolute favourite. I think I'm going to share it on Instagram, actually, 
And it's where David's got hold of my head and is right, you know, snuggled into me while I'm lying on the table. It was moments before Isla was born. And Georgie's got both hands holding my hands. And you just see these these two blue gloved hands holding me. And and that's my memory of her. It's just keeping, you know, I had a right hand. She was on my right hand side. But I had a right hand woman and where I didn't expect to. Um, you know, I haven't arranged to have a doula or anything like that. And, you know, I going into a C-section, it sort of escaped my mind that I would, you know, I knew David would be there for me, but I had no expectation of anybody else emotionally being there for me. Mm. And the way that all of, and everybody, it was mostly women as well in the operating theatre, and that the emotional support that I received was incredible. And the excitement, you know, I remember her, I can't remember her name, I wish I could remember, but the lady that was working with her, with Georgie, you know, moments before the baby was born, she was like, you're about to meet your baby, this, all this kind of thing. And she was like, are you ready? Um, just, just so kind, and they made it so special. And they took tons of incredible photographs as well, which was so kind. And we could have our playlist. And, you know, that all of those little things. Again, that is a hypnobirthing thing. How, what do you want the room to be like? How do you want to feel, you know, all, all of that? I I suppose I just had a chance to have a little bit more of a think about it than I might have done. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was, the, it was the kindness and it was that they have so incredible the doctors and nurses and midwives that, that they have the space to and capacity to be there for you emotionally. That's what blew me away. Mm, absolutely. Most incredible medical care. Mm, me too, actually. Um, how's your recovery been? Okay, actually, touch wood. I mean, so my uh, father-in-law is a GP, a retired GP, and we have sent him some amazing photos, like, over the last few weeks. I've been like, is this normal? What's this? I've even sent, like, pictures of Isla's nappies. Be like, is this the right colour? Poor guy. And, you know, I did get him to have a little look at my scar at one point, because I was like, is this normal? What's this? But just so to have somebody like that, uh, you know, in the family is incredible. Um, but yeah, actually healing's been fine. I felt good. And probably from about four weeks post C-section, I actually started to feel like there wasn't much I couldn't really do, but then I was trying to still hold myself back a bit. So I didn't exacerbate anything. Mm. Um, but no, it's been, it's actually been really positive. You just have to take it easy. You just have to give in. I think that's the thing. And so the first month really, I took it so easy. Good. Good. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> um, what has been your biggest challenge yet, would you say? Of my life or of the last few months? <laughs> of, let's say, let's say, <laughs> let's say motherhood. Biggest challenge of motherhood. Um, God, what a question. I don't know <laughs> I really don't know how to answer that there's sort of little ones every day but then every day's and I do feel with her you know even if we've had a really bloody tough night and not known how to settle her and not known why she's crying or you know nine times out of ten I actually think with Isla it's wind mm-hmm. and it's painful wind um but even if we've you know had we have had some bonkers nights then the next morning you wake up and it's just a new day and we just sort of I look at her she smiles at me I'm or not or whatever she's just there being her and being 
so precious and you know the the day you reset don't you every day so in a sense I guess yeah there have been some tremendous moments probably the not knowing how to not knowing what the problem is and not knowing how to fix it Mm. um but yeah I'm trying not to hold on to it too much I think and just reset the clocks every morning you start again and you will the mind is an incredible thing like you will it will all just merge together and then very much go into the background. Like when people ask me what it was like, I really struggle to remember actually. Mm. I don't kind of have any solid memories of that time. Um, and I think I think our body does it so we have more babies. <laughs> it's a trap. <laughs> it's a trap. You think, oh no, it was all fine. It was all fine. And then you get a newborn, you're like, Shit. Like, I don't remember having any of that. I'm like... <laughs> So this is a question. Um, did you have a big fear when you were pregnant? And do you have a big fear now around motherhood or pregnancy? And is it the same thing? That's a big question. Hmm. You, did I have a big fear? Yeah, I think always it's the, oh, it's, oh, I don't want to say it. It's hard to say it out loud, isn't it? The fear of loss, like the hmm. fear of it not her not oh two things being really honest actually the fear of her not being okay or not you know not making it during the pregnancy or and now just keeping her safe like you know that I that is definitely a thing Mm. uh, anything happening to her um but also I had this fear that crept in at the end that was like what if I don't get to be her mummy what if I don't make it and like I just wanted to be her mum so much, I wanted to hold her little hand in mine, and just <laughs> the fear that would creep in. Oh, Kateri just saying it, but um, that I might not get that opportunity. So whatever happens now, I've got to be her mummy, and that feels incredible every day. Mm. Uh, well, thank you for sharing that. That's okay. Slightly lighter question Butter. to follow. What? I like leave you there in here thank you for your time (laughs) but you know what we're like like if I go any deeper into that it's just going to be like another hour start pulling at that thread yeah (laughs) that come from when in your childhood does that stem from yeah (laughs) exactly oh god there is so much I could say around that point but I really feel like it's possibly best not to yeah. Oh God. Yeah. So follow with a lighter question. Yeah. Were you solid on your baby names? Yeah. Weirdly, yes. Um, I know this is really unusual, but Isla's name came to kind of came to me really at about when I was only about six weeks pregnant, and my flatmate um, sat down and said. When just after I told her I was pregnant, just a quick story. Uh, after she found me lying on the bathroom floor, I <laughs> broke my guts up, and she walked in, and I was like, "I think I better explain." <laughs> <laughs> and so then I think it was a couple of days after that she said um, she sat down with me and was like, "Oh, let's look at baby names." And I remember thinking, "Oh no, I'm not ready. I'm it's too soon. It's too soon," and didn't voice that and just let it happen. And then she pulled out her phone and looked up names. And the first one she said was Isla. And um, she she said it and I just got this feeling in my heart. And I was like, oh, my goodness, that's her name. Like, I love it. I just loved it. It 
felt I loved how it felt it, in my body. I could feel it. And so that night I had to really pitch it to David <laughs> when he got home from work. So I was like, oh, I've just casually heard a name that I quite like. Um, what do you think? And uh, this is the name of our baby. <laughs> you cannot question my authority. Um, so, so, yeah. He liked it amazingly, but then we sort of left it alone for a little while. Um, and then and I think he needed to sort of discover it himself as well as a name. And then he started using it to and it was just a little secret between us. We didn't tell anybody. And um, yeah, he's when it was just us, he started calling her Isla and I did. And yeah, it just stuck. So we never the only difference is we were going to call her Isla Louise. Mm-hmm. Um, Louise is my middle name. And I thought there was something nice. How did I not know that? Did you I know as well? Yes. Oh, oh. Admitted. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> I did yeah. not know that. Did I know that? You like, oh, after me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I didn't know really. I, I do know because I'm looking at your Skype. And <laughs> but um, yeah, so I'm really imaginative mums. Does but, it run in uh, the family? That no, middle name. I don't think so. I think oh, it was funny. just quite usual. <laughs> I think I was going to give it to her because I thought it was something nice about passing on, you know, because she'd take David's surname, like a little part of my name. Um, but, uh, yeah, when it came to it, actually, I, yeah, we both came up with Rose, like really near the time, really about a week before she was born. I was, yeah, and that was that. Oh, that's so cute. I, it was really interesting. Am- Amandine would have been, um, at one point, we were going to call her Millie Rose. At one yeah. point, really, yeah, and then, uh, and then we just went for like a full barrel of names. Yeah, <laughs> what's Amadine's middle name? She's got two. So Hendrik's got two. He's Raphael. Yeah. Oh no, he's not. He's Hendrik Raphael Bertrand Jolin. Crikey, that's a name, isn't I it? I know, isn't it? And Amandine is Amandine Constance Romilly Jolin. That's a name too. That's a beautiful name. I loved, we were very close to calling her Constance and then we didn't, but I love Romilly. Romilly was like the name that I heard and I was like, that's, that is the name of our daughter. Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? You do feel it in your bones. I'm really glad David went with it because that could have caused real problems. (laughs) Yeah. Hendrik did not go with it. Hence why it's number three. strong in that one <laughs> but now I've just done that really bad thing of if we do get pregnant again and we have another girl I, we basically used up all of our girls names on Amandine <laughs> nightmare um what are your favorite god this seems like a really shallow question in now relation we, to the rest we, of our conversation go deep it's all right I'm sure we could transform this into a really oversharey question <laughs> we probably can what are your favorite ba- baby items which you've been using oh I can share no that's really exciting there are some good things oh I don't even know where to start good baby things um sleepyhead you said sleepy you've been using head. yes thank you sleepyhead is a is amazing and really important that happened because I was at a party at the ba- baby awards for baby magazine and I was chatting to someone and said oh I don't know what I don't really know what I need. And this lady who actually, she's the photo editor for the magazine, just spun round, wasn't even part of our conversation. She was like, you have to get a, a sleepy head. Um, 
right I'll do that and it's brilliant that is an everyday thing um god there are so many things um mam has been really good I so I start at the beginning with feeding I was using nipple shields for the first little while and um to we were going between bottle and those we have weaned off them now which I'm really glad about but at the beginning it really helped and um oh she is crying her little head off down there oh let me listen on he's got it under control he's a wizard he's some kind of wizard I think he'll appear if it if she gets really unhappy no 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 this is technically the last question I have for you so got the snuggle cart next to my bed which is I, I again was saying to David like I actually love it it's really really good um and she and, goes yeah, down in it okay she goes down in it fine she loves it um she does co-sleep with us sometimes we do a bit of both actually mm. and that's really more determined by us than her mm. if we're feeling a bit like angsty and like we want want her close and keep an eye on her then she goes in the sleepy head between us or she goes in the down in the snuggle cart um yeah man products brilliant um oh there's so many things when i was pregnant um secret saviors as i was saying i was absolutely mahusive and um so i used their belly band and their um uh what's i gonna say their creams and lotions and so they really really help with stretch marks it's mainly marketed for stretch marks but it was also really really supportive mm. so that's a brilliant um, like a, a bit of a must-have I think for pregnancy even I used it really early on as well when I first started getting my bump if I was wearing a dress or something I didn't feel very held and very supported so but it's only it's not like wearing one of those great big contraptions it's just thin and so that was great um oh, I want to tell you about all the exciting things and now I can't think of anything um I'll come back to you go on what were you gonna say? <laughs> no. um have you been using Oh, Vital Baby UV sterilizer. Oh yeah, bloody brilliant! Really good. What's it no, called again? Vital Baby. Vital Baby. Yeah, they do this UV sterilizer. You can even put your iPhone in it, which I have done actually to sterilize. Or the case I put. I didn't actually trust. I'm sure you can put the iPhone in it, but I really need it right now. So <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit scared. Uh, but I put the case in quite regularly. Um, yeah, you can can put anything in there. I think. Oh, wow. Um, that is awesome. Like, just no fuss. No, you know, you just rinse everything with soap and water and then pop it in there for 40 minutes. Or a quick cycle is about 10 minutes if you've dried the thing off well. Um, oh, it's brilliant. And they do, uh, oh no, who, <laughs> I can tell you everything because I have got the things that work really work. There's a few things that you think, oh, I need this and then we just haven't used. And then the things that, that work for you we just absolutely rely on the nappy bin angel care that's mm-hmm. brilliant. i love that um we've got that in the bedroom actually because we've got a changing state table up here and it gets boiling up here and you think if that was it does it's just being honest doesn't smell at all not at all it's really good um so yeah. whilst you think of the if there is anything else what what are the things that you mentioned that um you oh, new maybe Nuna car seat. Yeah, light. We've got the Nuna light, and that is brilliant. And because it is light, <laughs> it really, really is light. Mm. Yeah. So that's been great. Well, the few car journeys that we've made, though, obviously we're not running around much at the moment, but when we're coming out of the hospital and everything, that was just really perfect. Mm. We have, oh, you have to... Go on. 
bugaboo. I've got the bugaboo. I know you're a bugaboo person. Did you? Which one did you get? Um, the B bugaboo B five. Nice. But because we're not going out, I have to. I put her in it and wheel around the flat. Oh, amazing! <laughs> oh, well done. I'm used to it because I don't. When we do start moving around, I don't want to be like, "What fresh hell is this?" <laughs> oh my god you'll love it i definitely i think that's such a good choice for you i love it i do love it we got the eye candy one as well actually to um that my my mum has that so she has it and she's all ready to have her and go walking with her and has not been able to do that yet but um mm. oh and there's something else maxi cozy oh i love it love it honestly the things that work really really work Maxi Cozy have a high chair that you can use for newborn all the way up. Because we have dogs, we wanted something that would elevate her so she wasn't on the floor at their level. Um, And when we're in the kitchen, she sits at the table with us, even though, you know, she's a tiny newborn. Um, Yeah, it's nice. That's so cute. Have you got the dogs back? Are the dogs with you? Um, They're about to be. Okay. Tomorrow. Yeah, so excited. Really miss them. What's um, What's your plan on introducing um that is a really good question and I'm actually going to ring a vet friend of mine and talk it through today because I don't know what we're going to do because we had all these plans early on that the dogs would be at home and that we'd bring her in afterwards and that she'd have had one of the blankets from the hospital all of these ideas which because of everything have gone right out the window Mm. um so I actually don't know the best way to play it because they've not been in the house or with either of us for seven weeks Mm. Um, over seven weeks now, I I don't know how to do it. I, I, have you got any ideas, actually? I actually don't. The ones I know are the ones that, you know, just aren't possible. Um, hey, you guys okay? Yeah, do you need to feed? Do you need to feed? Oh, baby girl, am I going to need to feed? Go, 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 go. Thank you so much. Of course it is. Thank you so much. Love you so much. Bye. You know what? I think it was a really good thing that Isla came in and said, Mama, I'm hungry, feed me. Because I think Ali and I could have kept talking for at least half an hour more. Thank you so, so much for tuning in. I hope you love listening as much as we both love recording. In fact, we called each other about 10 minutes after the podcast um, was done. And Isla was happy just saying how lovely that was and how much fun that was. So thank you for listening. If you resonated with some of what we were talking about, please talk. Talk it through with someone, a professional or someone you trust. You all know you can always drop me a line. In fact, please do let me know I'm not the only one with these thoughts. I love, love, love hearing from you. So you can DM me over on Mum Talk Podcast or also Emma Jolin on Instagram. That's probably the easiest way. Thank you so, so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's podcast and the new series, please remember to subscribe if you're not already to rate and review. It really, really helps, especially when we're starting a new series. Lots and lots of love. I will speak to you all next week. Have a lovely rest of your week. Bye.